Well, good morning again, everybody. I say again because, yeah, I think it was a year or year and a half ago it was my privilege to be here. And uh, it's good to be back again. It's, it's, it's really um, a blessing to be a part of your, your mission focus. I, I love, as I was handed a, a bulletin today, pursue God, love others, and serve the world. Amen. May that really be true of Cornerstone, and I, I know it is, and seeing the pictures of those that you're supporting. And can I give a commercial announcement, too, for your speaker next week? Is Pastor Greg coming next week? You're going to love Pastor Gregory Ejiwola. The dude is the real deal as well, authentic, Nigerian-born. It was my privilege to have had him as a Moody student. And I love it when your students just soar way beyond you, <laughs> you know, which is what Greg is doing. Um, he and his family and uh, have started a, a church called City Light. It's in the Bronzeville community of Chicago. And uh, he is just a comrade. Just we're on the phone together a couple of days ago. And I've been privileged to be with him in, in, in many different cities over the years in various capacities. And so when Pastor Paul had asked a while back for a good local spirit, I go, man, Greg will be, will be fantastic. He will ignite your heart and you'll appreciate him. And uh, what God is doing through City Light, it's just beautiful. Uh, it's a delight to see. So we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning on uh, some themes drawn primarily out of Acts chapter 2. So, brother, I probably could have sent those to you, but I, I, I think that you'll find them in basically the same place, <laughs> the scriptures, if you want to put them up uh, in Acts 2. And uh, we'll talk about living a missional lifestyle, living a missional lifestyle. So if you want to turn with me there uh, in your Bibles, um, part of the big idea of this is to remind us that uh, a missional uh, experience is not only something that we celebrate every year, but rather that we live into the fullness of this right here in our own backyard, a church engaged in the community uh, as much as it is for uh, the things that we're involved with doing in Chicago and, and cities all around. In fact, I, I appreciate uh, hearing about your Wednesday night prayer meeting. And could I, could I, uh, could you pray for me? I mean, could I throw my name in the, in the hat? Um, most of my time is with a ministry we started called Heart for the City. And by we, I mean a number of, of former Moody students that I had the privilege of working together with and things that were born out of the classroom. Greg is one of those. And uh, we've had the privilege of being invited to uh, be in many different cities in this country and beyond. In fact, the book Neighborhood Mapping was put together to be able to have a handbook, if you will, to walk churches or organizations, organizations through what it is to, in essence, we could say engage the community, discover needs around you, and then find ways for churches to be more missionally involved. So the vast majority of my time is doing that. In fact, in the next six months, God willing, we'll be in 16 cities, just to show you the scope of this. Uh, the next one on the docket will be Nairobi, Kenya. In fact, uh, uh, next weekend I leave for 10 days. Boy, I would welcome your prayers there. So we have the privilege of investing in pastors that are ministering in a community called Kabira, which if you've heard anything, if you know anything about the landscape of a country like Kenya, a city like Nairobi. Uh, Kabira is one word, much like Cabrini used to be in Chicago, if you know where I'm going with that. I see heads nodding. So Kabira is the Cabrini of Nairobi, although it's vastly more. A million people living in a very under-resourced community. So we'll be pouring into pastors that are just literally doing what we sang about, sacrificing themselves and then a church that part of my life too is on staff in a very part-time role with a church in Chicago called Park Community Church planted by Moody Church 25 years ago in fact Park's main campus is in what was Cabrini 
and also in several different other neighborhoods in Chicago. And we have a partnership, Park does, with Nairobi Baptist Church. How cool is that? And so they are forming a team of people to plant a church among Somali um, immigrants, refugees that are in the city of Nairobi. It's pretty tough to get into Somalia these days, or if you want to come back anyway. (laughs) But um, there is uh, hundreds upon hundreds, in fact, thousands of Somali refugees in the city of Nairobi. And so part of this trip, uh, 10-day trip, will be to help uh, early on using the book, Neighborhood Mapping, Moody Presses, Given me a bunch of copies. I pre- it's kind of weird when it's your own book and you have to get it from Moody, you know. But every now and then they let me get them for free. <laughs> and uh, we're taking uh, about 30 books along to uh, train people to begin to dream a dream about what it is to plant a church among Somali refugees in a city called Nairobi. So I would love it if you guys would pray. In fact, I brought along a, a little card on Heart for the City and on the back. It talks about the big idea of what we do, website, email, write a prayer letter, the whole deal. If you would like to join us in adventures that literally this summer will be in Lima, Peru, 12 cities in Canada from Montreal to Vancouver, March, April, and May. So God is is making a way for the church to engage the community. A lot of what I'm doing in this season of my life is one who 35 years married to now 58 years old, Nell and I each, um, uh, pouring into ministry leaders, pastors that are seeking to take the ball and run with it into this generation. So that's a lot of what Heart for the City does. So I brought a bunch of these. You're welcome to grab one. Maybe I can leave them with Pastor Paul, put them on the back, and uh, would welcome your prayers on Wednesday nights and beyond. And uh, and who knows, maybe we could pull off a Heart for the City tour sometime. Uh, I mean that when I, I would, would utterly be delighted to do that. Our little Heart for the City office is in Bridgeport, uh, 26th and Halstead Street, and we consistently do this uh, for churches, groups that want a greater level of exposure, uh, maybe do a little bit of Bible teaching around God's heart for the city and the poor, some hands-on kind of stuff, uh, experience a little ethnic meal. That's kind of cool, huh? So uh, anyway, if anything like that works, just holler. So we're in the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to talk about living a missional lifestyle. And so can I again uh, pray with us, ask uh, again, Uh, for God's blessing as we look in his word. Father, your word does tell us that where two or three are gathered, that you are in the midst. And so, God, we know you are here. God, I want to pause to just pray great blessing over Cornerstone, Pastor Paul, and all the families that are here, the children that are in Sunday School right now, Children's Church. God, I pray that uh, as we remind ourselves about a church on fire, so to speak, which was the early church, the book of Acts, God, may a contagious fire burn within us as well to reach our neighboring communities, to reach Chicago land, as it were, to see the gospel permeate this nation and the world. Oh, Father, that's our desire, that, uh, Father, you would use us. And I pray, Father, that we would be in a posture in the next few moments to receive your word, to have soft hearts, tenderness, that we, Father, would be obedient to the things that you prompt us. And God, You used kind of a ragtag group of folks back in the day. Um, And God, you can do it again. Father, we know a little bit of the story from Sunday school days. These were men with issues, with drama. Peter and the whole crew. And God, we're going to look at them again. And Father, your Holy Spirit just lit them up. And they just went crazy for you. Turned the Roman world upside down. God, I pray that we would allow you to do the same. 
Father, our nation desperately needs spiritual renewal. Our city does. And Father, as you did it before, we ask that you could use us to do it again. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word, that it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we give you permission. We acknowledge your presence to prick our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, a, a number of principles that all start with a letter P. How's that? To be able to remember them. And uh, that hopefully will uh, uh, kind of spur us onward to look at these things together. And uh, the first one is the prayer of devotion. The prayer of devotion. And uh, where do we see this? Well, look in chapter 2. Most of these are embedded in chapter 2. And you'll see verse 42. Uh, They, the early church, was continually devoting, that's quite a word themselves, to several things. Teaching, fellowship, that's the word called koinonia that we talk about. Breaking of bread, communion, and of prayer. You see that right there. Now, the phrase that just haunts me, guys, is this imagery of continually devoting themselves. Wow. That implies habit, doesn't it? That implies keeping on, keeping on, and Wednesday night prayer meetings when it's bitter cold, when it'd be easier to stay home and to be continually devoted to stand in prayer for a people, for a place, for a community, for a city, for a nation, for a world. Um, Keep your finger in chapter 2. Turn back to chapter 1, verse 14. You see it again. They all, with one mind, there's a lot there, were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Um, Let me illustrate this. So I I believe I was here, I think it was the spring of 2013. I I believe the last time I was here. I may have mentioned that we were working on another little, what now is a, a little prayer book, Moody Press published it, called the Chicago Neighborhood Prayer Guide. 2012 in our city was uh, one of the more violent ones in recent years, over 500 murders, to say nothing of the shootings. And so living and ministering in communities, um, in fact, you'll hear Pastor Greg talk about that next week too, where bullets fly, uh, does something to you. Um, It um, changes you. in raising your kids in that, and it uh, breaks your heart, and it pushes, I think, pastors, ministry leaders to places of God, show up, help us. People die on these streets. So a number of us uh, worked hard, um, starting with a, a class of Moody students that I had, spilled over into the summer of 2013, a bunch of uh, friends, staff, park, church, and ministry leaders like Greg helped with us too. We tried to put prayer points together for all 77 neighborhoods of Chicago, and, uh, and we did it. It took us months to do it and put it into a booklet form. It's now called the Chicago Neighborhood Prayer Guide. By the way, there's actually 221 micro-neighborhoods within the 77 communities of Chicago. So I live in Edgewater on the north side of Chicago. Technically, my little area is called Andersonville. How's that? Because back in the day, Edgewater was settled by a bunch of Swedish immigrants. Welcome to Chicago. So um, that little guide now, we didn't know what to do with it once we finished it. It was finished in the fall of 2013 at Park at Church. We thought, what if we just throw the doors open January of 2014, a year ago, and invite the city, pastors, lay people, networks of people we knew, Pastor Greg was a part of that, to simply use that booklet as a guide to pray our way through our city. A thousand people came. I don't even know if you guys heard the update. I think I was telling you about it when I was here. We filled the building and we prayed 
north, south. Can't really play east. You're praying for Lake Michigan. <laughs> City center and west. And we had prayer points up on the screen. Y'all, we had some church. It was glorious. And the verse that we used was Jesus' prayer in John 17. His prayer, remember that? God, I pray that my people may be one. Why? That the world may know. So there was oneness in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And when the church is kind of on the same sheet of music, (laughs) when we're one, when we understand that ultimately God is our captain, we are his, his workers, so after that amazing thing, we thought, okay, now how do we steward something that's become Pray Chicago? So last June, June of 2014, uh, New Life, Pastor Mark Job hosted us out by Midway Airport. Hundreds of people again. You may have seen stuff on Facebook uh, last fall, September. We actually had the privilege of being on the Daily Plaza with a huge banner that says Pray Chicago. Hundreds and hundreds of Christ followers, pastors, lay people, bending our knees before God in our city, asking God to break our hearts, praying Second Chronicles seven fourteen. You know this verse, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know, I'm coming to realize that maybe one of the biggest two-letter words in the scripture is if. That verse I just quoted is conditional. You don't have to. You don't have to go to Wednesday night prayer meeting. You'll still go to heaven. It's not going to get you any higher up, you know, so to speak, if you, to glory. It'll change you. It'll make you missional. Your life will be deeply invested in the needs around you. You'll understand that one of the greatest works is prayer. God works through prayer. We know that. But the then in that verse is predicated by the if. If we want it badly enough, God says, we'll see change in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our city, in our nation. It's on us. It's not on God, really. God looks, he longs to be wanted, to be asked, if you will. So this, just a few weeks ago, the last Wednesday of January, our fourth Praise Chicago was at a big church on the south side of Chicago called Salem, House of Hope. 2,200 people, 2,200 people in prayer for the city of Chicago. Amen. Amen. So guys, God is up to something, not only in this Chicago land, but in our nation. And I would invite you into maybe deeper levels of prayer, maybe than what we've gone before to begin to understand what it means to be devoted to prayer. We're devoted to a lot of things. We're devoted to our marriages. We're devoted to our families, to our children, devoted to our pastor, to our church, devoted to our jobs, devoted to prayer. Wow. So part of the reason why I'm lingering here, trust me, there's more points than just this one, is that this was the fuel of the church. It was the power source. It's where everything starts. It's been 37 years of of doing mission work, basically. 17 years, we lived as missionaries in San Francisco and L.A. and raised support and lived in the hood. And amazingly, Moody said, hey, would you come and teach this stuff? And so that was another 17 years of doing that and now the last few years with Heart for the City. And so um, my personality is to wind me up and 
turn me loose into the Kabiras and the Cabrinis of the world, and yet, as a 58-year-old man, I stand before you realizing that I'm learning in God's school that the greater work is prayer. Because you know what? I've raised my kids in Chicago. Been there now for 20 years. Bullets still fly in Chi-Town despite my best efforts. <laughs> despite pouring into students like Greg that you'll meet next week and I'm not exaggerating thousands of Moody students in the last 20 years. Our city is still called Chirac. Our little league team, I guess we didn't win, huh? See? Now we're here in the race card again, right? See? People still cut corners, stretch boundaries. Woohoo, we the church, baby. We park, community church. We got six campuses. You know, we Moody Bible Institute. Wow, maybe we're missing something. Maybe we've never fully come to understand what it means to be devoted. That the greatest work is on our knees. That spiritual warfare is really only counteracted in our prayer closets. That's the legacy of the early church. It started in a prayer meeting. It's where the Holy Spirit showed up. You guys know this. The smallest meeting of the week in most any church in America is the prayer meeting. Bravo that you still have one. Most churches don't. What was it? Bill Hybels, Willow Creek, wrote a book many years ago, Too Busy to Pray. Kind of works, huh? Too Busy to Pray. Wow. Devoted to prayer. So Jeremiah 29, verse 7 says, Seek the shalom of the city. That verse, or sorry, that word shalom means peace with justice or wellness or wholeness. It's the poster child verse of heart for the city. It's the framework around all the urban studies courses that we did. And Gregory is a graduate of those that you'll meet next week. And yet the latter part of that verse, after seek the shalom of the city, says pray to the Lord on its behalf. Because as the city experiences shalom or, or the town, so will we as a people. So the work of shalom, justice, man, let's all go, you know, compassion, woohoo. My kids are ranging from 26 to 17, and justice is on their hearts, man. My daughter, Jessie, and her husband, Aunt Moody. Wow, burden for girls that are trafficked all over the world. Justice, this generation, huh? We're going to get after this stuff. Well, part of the work of shalom, some of the greatest work of shalom is to prayer. It's to pray because, as you know, when we pray, God changes us, doesn't he? So in Matthew 9, we see this glorious imagery of Jesus with his disciples calling them to follow. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. What's Jesus' answer? Pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Why? Because you know what happens when we pray? We become the, the answer to our own prayers. Changes you. You become the missionaries you want Cornerstone to send out. You and I, in your neighborhood, on your job. That is the great mystery of prayer. Because when you put yourself in the presence of the Almighty God, He shares His heart with you. It's not just a laundry list of stuff. It's listening to His voice. God is a God of mission. Every day, not just once a month or whatever. Every day, God is on mission. And He invites us to join Him on your job, in school, in the neighborhood. You don't have to get on a plane and fly to Africa. There's all kinds of African Americans all around us. It's a lifestyle, and that's what we see. So 
The prayer of devotion is huge. The second thought is the proclamation of the gospel. Notice the gospel is proclaimed, in a sense, out of this posture of prayer. So in chapter 2, verse 14, Peter is juiced, man. He is wound up by the Holy Spirit. He stands with his voice, verse 14 of chapter 2, and he declares, men of Judah, all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give heed to my words. My goodness, he's just flying. I mean, it goes all the way down through verse 36. He just brings it, packs up the truck. The margin of the Bible says Peter's sermon. He is proclaiming the good news. He is telling the story. He's referencing Old Testament kind of stuff here. Verse 21, by that name, the name of Jesus, everyone who calls on him will be saved. Men of Israel, look at verse 22. He's pleading with them. Listen to these words. He's persuading them. This man, verse 23, in the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed him to a cross. He's not mincing any words, is he? But God raised him up, putting an end to the agony of death. And he quotes David. I mean, it just rolls. Verse 29, brethren, I may confidently say to you, verse 32, this God who, uh, sorry, this Jesus, God raised him up again. We are all witnesses. He's been exalted Verse 36, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus. It was my privilege recently to be um, in a sister school to Moody Bible Institute. Um, it's called the Faith Mission Bible College. It was actually started by D.O. Moody at the same year that Moody Bible Institute began, 1886. Uh, so I was in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, the middle week of, of January, whatever those dates were, teaching an evangelism class to about 35 students. It's kind of a trip because the Royal Mile, if you know anything about, about Scotland, the palaces on one end and the parliament on the other, kind of like our magnificent mile, Michigan Avenue, although it's quite a bit more historic and arguably quite a bit more royal than what we deal with. But there's a little church right there, and in its cornerstone, etched into it, is that uh, D.L. Moody and a number of others in a time of spiritual renewal and revival dedicated that place to the preaching of the gospel. It was just a trip to be there and to see that. But, you know, the focus of this school, so old school it was kind of refreshing, is they train evangelists, most of whom are itinerant, to go out throughout. I, I First time, I, I mostly my... <laughs> Claim to fame in the UK is flying through Heathrow, which I'll do again to get to Nairobi. So I kind of got this airport thing going in all these cities. But so I actually got out of the airport and, uh, and they took me around a little bit through Edinburgh. And then I my, actually my flight went through Dublin, Ireland. So I had a few hours there. And, but I realized how incredibly rural some of those areas are and wide open for the gospel and how amazingly secular the UK is, and I thought, coming soon to a nation near us, United States of America, we're heading the same direction for the lack of a missional lifestyle. So I found myself in this class too, quoting some of the great saints of old, like Hudson Taylor, William Carey, C.T. Studd, Amy Carmichael. These are grand, glorious missionaries. And I thought, oh my goodness, each of these is a Brit. <laughs> wow, yeah. So proclamation of the gospel these students were so motivated we would start our day worship and prayer end our day in prayer over meals together dreaming planning working on how to engage a community all this kind of stuff but their heartbeat the reason they lived was to proclaim the gospel and i thought wow god 
not even sure a lot of our Moody students come wired up for this stuff anymore. Church is at its best when the gospel is in our guts, man. It's on our heart. We want to tell the story. We want to model it. We want to live it. And, and the book of Acts is an explosion of an evangelistic missional lifestyle. I mean, it just went viral. It went everywhere. It absolutely infected. In fact, keep your finger in chapter 2, and you'll see some of this kind of stuff because these guys went absolutely crazy. And if you, if you look farther down here, look at chapter 5, verse 28. Chapter 5, verse 20, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, preaching, proclaiming. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Wow. You've filled Chai Town. <laughs> You've filled Nairobi. You've filled, pick your poison, any place. You've filled it with the name of Jesus, proclaiming the gospel. Wow. That's a missional lifestyle. So the work that we all have to do is what does it look like to proclaim or be persuasive on my job tomorrow? In the bitter cold, whatever it is we do at school, maybe it's a day off from school tomorrow, President's Day, but you know what I'm saying. What does it mean in my neighborhood? What does it really mean as a church? What does it mean to be relationally involved with people? You know, it, it's, it's generally not something that we stand behind a pulpit like this and preach at folk, but take, carry your pulpit into, I don't know, maybe you can't do it in the classroom, but in the coffee room at a break in the neighborhood, local Starbucks. What does it mean to be in that kind of a gospel-focused? In fact, if you look at chapter 4, this verse just challenges me, man. Chapter 4, verse 20. We cannot stop speaking what we've seen and heard. Oh, my goodness. We, it's in us, man. And shortly after they had been flogged or beaten and, and, you know, released, and oh, my goodness. Basically, what they're saying is you're going to have to kill us. And I think you know the story. They all did give their lives, everyone. In fact, Peter, church history tells us, was actually crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same mode as his master. I can't even fathom that. So we cannot stop. It's in us. Another verse in the gospel says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our hearts are full of many things. Our voices are full of many things. I, I like anybody, I'm, you know, woohoo, March Madness is coming, playing basketball, you know, the tournament, <laughs> whatever, you know, we get it excited about that. I, I need to head out of here shortly after because my son Josh is playing high school basketball and tournament stuff today at playoffs and so it's yeah it's I can get excited about that but the deepest deepest truest identity of who we are is that we are gospel people that word means good news and the early church got it man they proclaimed the gospel with everything they had now, look at the penetration of the Holy Spirit. Back to chapter 2, verse 37. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles' brethren, what shall we do? That word pierced, it, it, it means pricked, or a good old school King James word is smitten. How's that? I mean, it was absolutely... Uh, it, it's as if life stopped at that moment. Nothing else matters. They were in the presence of Almighty God. 
and they had to do business with him. And, you know, referencing the Scotland thing again, um, uh, so much of the deep, great awakenings and spiritual renewals that we would hearken back to, in fact, Dio Moody was a part of a lot of these, were cradled in those places, spilled over to the shores of the United States. Um, John Wesley's ministry, George Whitfield, Charles Finney, a lot of this kind of stuff. And known to that was the deep penetration of the Holy Spirit where, where it's, it's not, I better not do this, I'll unplug myself, but where people would, would just drop in, in the presence of God on their knees and wail and cry out to God for mercy and forgiveness. And church altars were just packed. In fact, if you, if you study anything at all about revival or spiritual renewal, in fact, a, a tremendous book that will spark your prayer life. It's called uh, The Flaming Tongue. The Flaming Tongue, written by a man by the name of J. Edwin Orr. And it's the history of revivals in the last two, three hundred years, back to the 1700s. But what is hallmark of those is the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I have a friend who is still pastoring in the Bay Area. Actually, I actually have more than one friend, but maybe, I, yeah, just some. Sorry, a little joke there. And uh, one of my friends is pastoring a church in the Bay Area of California. And the thing we used to joke about is, is hey, John, did Jesus come to church today? I used to, we used to do a lot of ministry in San Francisco Bay Area back in the day. Did Jesus come to church today? In other words, was there any fire? <laughs> Holy Spirit show up? Any hearts pricked? Anybody smitten? That's our birthright. The evangelicals, as Christ wants, and man, the Holy Spirit got it. They could be say they drank the Kool-Aid, man. The early church, they really, really were infected. And the book of Acts, again, was cradled in a prayer meeting with the power of the Holy Spirit absolutely energizing him. And when you think about it, Satan will delight to get us too busy to pray, or he will delight to get us divided over the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, see, what have we often done as conservative evangelicals? We've We've, with, with deep chagrin, we've sort of, you know, the, the Pentecostals, you know, the extremes. See, we've, we've allowed the part of the Holy Spirit to be viewed as extreme. And believe me, I've, I've been in settings where it's horrifically extreme. And I don't, I'm not in any way justifying that in places where if you don't speak in tongues, you know, you're not a Christian. I mean, believe me, I've seen a lot of that over the years. But the reality is, what do we have in its place? I mean, seriously, you know? <laughs> Any Holy Ghost action in evangelical Christianity? Any, any the fire of the Holy Spirit? People getting saved? See what I'm saying? Kind of quiet. You know, at our best, we may raise our hands once in a while. Woohoo! Love you, Lord. And then we're considered a little bit extreme, you know. So we have to be careful what we critique. And Satan will do all he can to get us utterly pendulum swung. Both of those are extremes. Absolutely powerlessness an extreme misuse of the power of the Holy Spirit. Somewhere in that median range, our lives are to be hallmarked by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That is what it is for the gospel to penetrate. So, well, a fourth one is the presence of community. And these are familiar verses in chapter two. You've probably uh, reflected on these often. Let me read this little cluster here. I read verse 42 already. Look at verse 43. Everyone felt, kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. All who believed were together 
key phrase, verse 44. They had all things in common. They even sold off their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anybody might have a need. And day by day, continually, with one mind, key phrase there again, breaking bread house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I meant to mention that earlier. Notice that the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. People were getting saved in the early church, man. The numbers were growing like crazy. And it just kept going on and on because God kept adding to their numbers. If you're in chapter 2, turn the page to chapter 4. Check this out, verse 4. Many who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Wow, when's the last time we saw 5,000 souls saved, huh? Chapter 6, verse 7. Here's another example. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly. Even a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith, and we can keep going there, but so... God was adding to their numbers. But the point I wanted you to see too here is the presence of community, the unity. One heart, one soul, one mind. And I think what stands out so profoundly is selflessness. Sharing, freedom, selflessness. So the, the, the alchemy or the order of the early church was God first, others second, myself a distant third. That's a missional lifestyle. God's interests always reign supreme. Your interests, the body of Christ, those that are outside of these walls that yet do not him, do not yet know him. And then finally, my own needs. But see, what Satan will do is try to recalibrate your life so it becomes all about me, right? All about me. Um, I have a little granddaughter, my daughter Jessie. She's um, uh, our little granddaughter Janelle. So with great delight, I get to watch a lot of the old, TV shows and cartoons that I used to when I was a kid, you know, now I can say it's for my granddaughter, but I'm, so we were watching, we were watching Nemo again recently, the, uh, was that the little one, the little Disney, the little fish one, did I say the name right? And, uh, remember the scene in there where the seagulls are fighting over the fish or the pelicans, whatever, and they're going, mine, 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 remember that? You know, mine, 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 isn't that often the way we live our life? Me, 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 my, 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 or my family. My neighborhood, my own needs. See, and, and, and God is way lost in the transaction and all that, and the needs of others as well. Subtly, Satan will get us thinking about our own wellness, our own well-being, our own needs, and decisions are made around that. And this missional thing is something that every now and then I put something in the offering plate or I see some little emotional clip or story about something, and it's so far away, and it has very little to do with my own stuff right in my own backyard. God first, others second. The needs are just, this is a beautiful, breathtaking picture of absolute gladness and joy and sincerity and selfishness. That's community. That's church. That's what the world is looking for. You know that. The world is looking for this in all the wrong places. So on a typical Sunday morning in the neighborhood where I live now in Edgewater, most people walk right by the church walking. Their dog's kind of cold now, so they're all bundled up or their dogs are bundled up with a cup of Starbucks in their hand the new church for many urban dwellers, right? What are they looking for? Community. Remember the show Cheers? You want to go, right? Where everybody knows your name. It's the same song, man. 
The world is looking for this stuff because God put it in us. He put the hunger for community in the church. The church we could, we should absolutely kick butt in this area. I mean, we should be the ultimate community of Christ ones, and the world should go. What's up with those Christians, man? They love each other. What do we do instead? We divide and we conquer. And I mean, we just split, 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 man. That's been the legacy, sadly, for the lack of the deep, deep penetration of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit for guardian and boundaries and a lot of this. So the community thing is huge. A um, couple more and then we're done here. Perseverance of the saints. You see this so, so much here. Verse 40, verse 42, verse 46. It says, Peter kept on exhorting. Verse 40, verse 42. They were continually devoted. We talked about that as well. Verse 46, day by day. So, Guys, a, a lifestyle of mission is something that will be challenged every day. We can get all wound up now, Sunday. Yeah, Doc, I'm gonna be that. I, you know, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna really, you know, on my school neighborhood, my friends, and and then it kind of wears off, you know. So we need another another dose, Pastor Paul. You know, okay, I'm juiced. I'm ready now. No, so somehow your prayer life juices you, so to speak, if I can use that phrase, power of the Holy Spirit. We recalibrate, we refuel. Um, Paul, you run, don't you? We talked marathon, haven't we? And so um, I'm officially retired, having conquered the Chicago Marathon in the record time of six hours and ten minutes. And I cramped up so horrifically. Six and a half, you get the medal. So if I had to crawl across that line, I was going to get that thing. But it's a story for another day. I did not properly train my body to run a full. I tried to cut corners thinking if I'd run a half, I'm good. And man, I cramped up so badly, and it's... But the reality is, you guys know this, 45,000 people start the marathon and what, 12, 15,000 don't finish? Something like that. Now, it's still amazing that about 30 do, but now, see what I'm saying? The Christian life is full of little missional wannabes. Woohoo! I'm your guy, God. You can count on me. Remember, Peter? I'm, I'm there for you in the cock crowed three times. And Jesus, who? <laughs> yeah, right. So three times in John 20, Jesus said, hey, Pete, you love me? You love me more three times the same time the number of times that he denied him. So be careful on your way to being all that. It takes discipline. It takes perseverance. It takes being a person of the book and of prayer and the discipline. Every day, continually devoted. Every day, they kept on God. I choose today to give my life away to you. I choose to be in community and relationship with Christ followers. God, I ask you for divine appointments. Those are glorious prayers. Jesus said, if any man will follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. God, I deny myself today. I take up my suit. I'm saying the discipline, the habit, the perseverance of the saints. It's ultimately the crown of life is given to the faithful. And the Christian life is littered with those who started well and ended poorly. So that's where the body of Christ, that's why we're told to exhort each other to love and good works. You need, you need each other. Can't do this alone. The glorious accountability of church on Sundays, Wednesday night prayer meeting, built in, put, put people, put them, say, hey, pray for me this week. i wanting to share Christ with my neighbor. Ask me if I did. You know, I mean, go for it, y'all. We're on our way to heaven. My dad is getting much closer, 87. He's dying of pancreatic cancer. Loves Jesus, but I'm watching with sad eyes. My father's body, he's lost 45 pounds. It's just withering away. 
So soon he'll be with our Lord. And it's not much longer than I may be too. So what are we afraid of? What are we worried about? The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus every morning. Live with eternity in view. And then ultimately they had favor. The praise of God's favor is the last one. You see this. Chapter 2, verse 47. I love this. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Oh, that we would have favor as a church, y'all. That we would have favor. Not that the world's going to just fall on their face and confess, but they're going to, you know, one of the greatest, one of the greatest things you could ever be told is I've never met a Christian like you before. A watching world who's watching you, they don't get it. They don't get the choices that you make. They're like, wow, I've been watching. Never met anybody like you before. And you know what the key to all this was? It comes right back to where we started. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. As they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. Be with Jesus every day. Spend time with him. Not that you don't already. I don't mean that. With a greater hunger, with a deeper thirst, with a, 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 a higher longing to say, God, I want to be a person of prayer. I want to be devoted to you. I want your words to be on my heart. I want them to be proclaimed and persuaded. And God, I want the Holy Spirit to just so light me up and I want to be a part of the presence of your people in a way that we are infectious and contagious. And if my son's team, when they break the huddle, will just say, team, again, man, team. That's church. It's not basket. It's, t- it's church, team. We're all in this together. And when we see the hand of God stir us and when we're able to understand the favor that comes, a begrudging respect, man, those Christians, those guys are serious. They don't play. And the priority of relationship ultimately is that we've been with him. Let me pray first. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity. Thank you for the example, the model of the early church. Oh, God, we're just... it. it uh, <laughs> We're hungry for it, God. We're thirsty. We want to be this right here at Cornerstone. We want, Father, to understand what it means to be more deeply in love with you and to be drawn into this kind of a lifestyle. God, I pray for these, my brothers and sisters. God, we're all family. Oh, Father, that you would do what only you can do in our hearts. Draw us to yourself. Prick us by your spirit. Put your finger on on the lesser things in our life that need to be set aside for the greater that is to tell your story to be a witness to build relationships to love our neighbor god i pray i pray blessing again over cornerstone god i pray that the that the, the year if you tarry and give us another year that by next mission emphasis time frame father that these dear souls here would see a, a deeper hunger longing prayer those that have trusted you as savior have joined the church that neighbors would have seen more clearly who you are that classmates at school would be more aware that the missionaries that are prayed for and supported would see the gospel advance god i pray you would do that pray that you would do that by your spirit we love you lord we long one day to hear you say well done good and faithful service and so to that end we commit ourselves anew in the great and matchless name of jesus we pray amen